Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 32-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with our candid views on some stocks we screen for here in the shop every so often. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered or candid views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, it's May 2nd, uh, I'm sorry, May 3rd, 2013, <clears throat> and we've got four exciting value ideas for you today, two compare and contrast, one in the engineering space and one in the uh, nutraceutical space. Nutraceuticals, that's uh, a new <clears throat> word, I like that. But before we get to that, and this is the heartfelt part of the show now, Mo, is I just got a little frog in my throat and all that. I'm a little choked up. We just want to say a heartfelt apology to our listeners. We've missed them, you know. We've been a, we haven't done a show in a couple of months. And but we are back. We're getting a lot of email. I could probably pull up a few, and maybe I will. But the main point of the email, Mo, is, and I just want to summarize, where's your freaking show? Why aren't you doing the show? And what I end up having to tell people, Mo, is that uh, you've been on an extended, some kind of extended adventure trip, you weren't really willing to share with me all, all the details, and you just went off privately. I don't know, what. where have you been, Mo? I've, um, well, contrary to what the rumors are, I was not at the Betty Ford Clinic. I didn't think you were. I, I called over there, and they would And I out. have always thought that quitting is for losers. Yeah. <laughs> so. They said they hadn't heard of you, and I, no, I, was, I was suspicious. I went to the desert. The desert. Yeah. Ah. And there were no phones, no lights, no motor cars, that kind of thing. Oh, there was great golf. Golf. I was in the, the middle of Death Valley. Okay. Death Valley. Wow. Furnace Creek. And there's a golf resort there. There's nothing around you for 100 miles except lunar landscape. And then plop in the middle of all of this, there's this little green oasis, pools, boat drinks, yeah. sunsets. Martinis. Great golf. So, uh, yeah, but, so that was a secret adventure. Wow. And uh, did you go with a secret companion? Can't comment on that. Yeah. You know, we've also had some calls about uh, our secret uh, secret uh, value guy uh, presenter, you know, last show. But that was the last show. And I just assumed that you, I don't know who that was, but I just assumed you left and I haven't heard from you since. No, we're back. I'm back. Yeah. Okay. Well, and we've got, I think we've got good news for everyone out there. I don't know if it's premature to announce this, but... Uh, Probably is. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we are about to announce that we're we're on the verge of raising $14.5 million. That's pretty good, Mo. For a new venture that we're starting together, which is the... the we, you and me? Yep. I hadn't uh, yep. heard about that. Well, I think this is was... I've been thinking about it ever since we talked about that email. So we've come to this... Fourteen and a half million through a very circuitous, it's curious route. What's, but I just so what's happened. Well, this is what uh, just to fill the listeners in. Yeah. A few weeks ago, I get this email and it says that uh, hello, I'm the account manager for leading bank in Cape Town, South Africa. That sounds fine. We get bank emails all and the time. They, I mean. they, but they've discovered an abandoned large sum of of money, a fourteen and a half million that belonged to. An American 
that was killed in a horrible boat accident down there in 2007. So they want to no know yeah, if we will um, allow them to make us the beneficiary of the funds. And why wouldn't we? Right, right. I right. Mean, um, that, that that will finally release it to at least someone. And it won't be tied up in their legal system, tied up in their, their um, you know, the, all the administrative stuff that goes along with this. So they're going to put $14 million out. We're going to get How it. How did you get involved, Mo? I mean, Just what? got the email, you know. What, what they found you? Yeah. Uh, were you a, a relative of the deceased? No, I think, I don't know how they picked us. Huh. But that's That doesn't good. matter. That's, that's their own formula, really. That's good news. So uh, wow. as soon as we get that money, right. which I've just sent off your, uh, they wanted uh, your social security number, credit cards, background license, no uh, date of birth. And so the minute Sounds they get totally that, legit. this money comes to us. Awesome. So that's exciting. Uh, well, great. And then we'll invest it uh, with some value guy ideas and all that. That's you always have lucky things happening for you, Mo. Sorry about that, everybody. Who um, Okay, well, it's uh, we're on the Value Guys Stock Talk Show. I'm not sort of forgotten what we do on the show, but here's what I'd like to note. And you know, Mo, while you were gone, let me just tell you what's been going on here over on Wall Street. Because I've been much. Well, okay. Our last show, February twentieth, between year end two thousand twelve. In February 20th, 2013, the market, you know, it had a very strong first quarter, but in those key seven weeks while we were doing the show and telling people what we thought about the stock market, the market was up 7.4%. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying it's because of our show, but, but draw our conclusion. Right? was. Now, since our last show... Since radio, during the period yeah. of radio silence... We go radio silence, what happens? Nothing. The market's up. There's a lot of news. They're selling newspapers. But the market goes up 3%. Yeah. Barely anything. And so, I mean, basically nothing happened. And now we're back. Which means? So. Yeah. Which means? Well, back to the market going up again. Market right? rally. We've got some ideas, and they're going to help fuel the next leg of this full market. Um, here's what I know that happened. You were in a desert. You didn't see some of this stuff. Well... Evidently, the Federal Reserve is going to continue to pump $85 billion a year into the economy. How do they do that, ladies and gentlemen? Well, they buy people's bonds, so they send $85 billion in cash that they've printed over here into someone's bank account, and then they take your pieces of paper back that say, we'll pay you, 80, you know, the money someday, and that's how they get the money into people's hands. Let me ask you an academic question. Yes. When the Fed pumps money into the system, does it actually have to print every dollar that it funnels into the system? That is a great question. Because of the inflationary pressures caused by rising ink prices, they don't do that. They don't? <laughs> no. They just wire it in. From yeah. where? From the government. They sign it. Federal Reserve. I owe you. They wire it. They wire it in. Uh, so, anyway, they're going to keep doing that. Um, also... I mean, some other things haven't happened Mo, while you've been away. You haven't missed a thing. Guess who, guess who didn't uh, fall off the face of the earth? Greece. Right. Yeah. They're still around. Europe is still around. Uh, Europe is still in a semi-recession, etc. But the U.S. stock market seems to be in pretty good shape. It's done virtually nothing since our last show. So I think it's... But with good job numbers out and some encouraging signs in the economy, now that we're back, that yeah. combination alone could really begin to fuel That could start to fuel a bull market, absolutely. So, 
should we, uh, let's get into it. We've got four pretty good ideas this year, or this week, or whatever it is, May 3rd. And this came off a screen that, I'll tell you what it was, it was a combination of uh, uh, stocks that aren't too expensive. So it looked at their, and this is on FactSet, so it's hard to duplicate. You can do free uh, screens on Yahoo Finance, and you know, oftentimes just an enterprise value to sales or cash flow screens, good. But uh, I got a little fancy today with this. Here it is. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So the first parameter was stocks between 100 million and 4 billion. Oh, thank you. Uh, so that's that's a small smidland, I guess, mainly small. Then stocks that are not more than 30 percent off of their 52-week low. So they're not at the low, and we have run 52-week low screens, but uh, this is a not more than 30% off the low. Also, uh, EBITDA to, I'm sorry, total debt to EBITDA of less than 2.5. So some debt, but not too much. Enterprise value to sales, let's see. Uh, I think I might have said less than 2. Uh, maybe not. I can't quite tell that. But then we also screened on, uh, I think, an EBITDA, no, uh, sales per employee greater than 150000 I don't know why, just for fun, productivity idea. And then average return on total capital, five-year average, greater than 10%. So that's what we got. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting because you have 11 different parameters. In the past, when we've done these screens with three parameters, yeah, you get huge groupings of similar companies. Yeah, that's true. Industry you know when? Yeah, when we did, uh, uh, there were a couple screens where three price sales the screens or were, whatever. Right, oh. They were they were Chinese mining companies, right. and then there were other times when we've got nothing but um, the uh, um, master limited partnership companies, the, the oil guys. What's interesting about that 11 parameters is that the group of candidates that we just finished wading through are really diverse. So there's really no, I couldn't find any real industry grouping. It's surprising we could even come up with two names on this that seem to be an yeah. interesting, I think it's our first, to compare and contrast two companies. Yeah, two no, you're right. Strategies. There weren't any big clumps here, but it's a screen that basically is, uh, you know, Let's not pay too much, but let's have a decent company that hasn't run too much. And what you're trying to pick off, really, is something that could be on the mend and, and not yet quite discovered by people. So it's a little bit off the low. Some early value guys may have been buying into it. Um, some of them, frankly, are, you know, they could be on the way down to revisit old lows, but, um, you know, generally the sentiment is going to be against them if they're in the bottom half of their 52-week range broadly speaking. So let's get to it. Um, we'll go, uh, we've got two compare and contrast this week. Um, we can start We can yeah. start with applied industrial technologies if you want. Yeah, AIT. Yeah. Um, and we're going to compare and contrast that to... Oh, no, we'll just, oh, we'll just, okay. we'll just do AIT. Okay, go ahead, Mo. This is, I think you like this one, or did I? I don't forget. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to just bring up something that's a little... An, uh, an academic example for everybody out there. Yeah. Um, when we first looked at this company, I noted that there were 11 analysts. This was before we went live. Yeah. And I was asking you, what what 
constitutes a lot of analysts covering a company. Because our next three candidates have a, of two, four, uh, two to four analysts to follow. Them. Yeah. Is that a lot? Is it a, you know, what's a, what's a number of analysts to follow a super popular company? We looked up a bunch of them. And here's what's interesting. Um, Apple has 54 analysts to follow. That's the most we could find. That's the most we could find. But, you know, again, put this in perspective. We're about to look at a couple companies that have only two analysts. Yes. Fifty. And uh, companies like GM, um, uh, Exxon, uh, Disney, AT&T, they're all about 20 or 30 analysts that follow those companies. Um, So to put this in perspective, when we talk about some of these less-than-discovered names, that gives you a way of quantifying how... Uh, off the radar screen, one of these companies could possibly be with only two people watching yeah. it. And well, and let me make a comment on that. You know, for for those of you that are students reading about efficient market theory, where you know analysts basically are doing the job of uncovering knowledge, but then prices react very quickly to that incremental information. So the theory would be that, in effect, stocks are always reflecting all available information. And so, um, I was just adding up, you know, on Disney, for example. We did this math. There's 31 analysts covering Disney. You know, a Wall Street analyst is going to make a few hundred thousand dollars. You know, I guess that puts you up in the top 1%. So, the number we used was... pay a lot of The taxes. number we assumed was 31 analysts at the, at the yeah. times $250,000. So, you're going to... So, in effect... Society, for whatever reason, has decided that they want to spend $7 million. Now, the fact is those analysts cover other stocks, too. So maybe you divide that by their own coverage list, which could be 15 stocks. So, you know, maybe it's a, a half a million per company, what have you. But anyway, in any case, it's, uh, it's a lot of money to make sure uh, information is in the marketplace, particularly when the average rating is old. old. So it's like, what? We're spending a lot to know nothing, but um, anyway, my point was going to be on this efficient market theory. When you have 50 analysts versus two, the way to measure the impact on that, in my opinion, is just to think about how many people are listening to two people versus how many are listening to 54. It's it's sort of uh, related to how many people each person talks to. In other words... The efficient mark theory suggests that this piece of information goes everywhere simultaneously because it's now on Google and everyone's drawn to it. But the fact is, most of this information in some fashion has to be pushed onto someone. I know I don't answer my phone. So if there's information, I might not be seeing it. So, you know, if, if you have 50 guys, you're probably 25 times more efficient than a guy with two analysts, or the other way to think about it is a stock with two analysts, you've got a, you know, you know, it's 5% efficient versus a, a 95% efficiency with a 50 stock, or 50 yeah. analyst stock. That's kind of how I think about it in terms of uh, whether you have an opportunity to uncover something that's not yet in the stock. And, you know, I know if I'm just looking at the prior, you know, prior years, pages, that uh, typically... You know, six to ten analysts is at the upper range of the stocks we typically look at. So anyway, there's a side point, but that came up uh, before the show when we were looking at the fact that there are 11 analysts that followed applied industrial technologies, 
uh, yeah. AIT, and uh, that was sort of, an, I thought it was an interesting discussion. Anyway, let me hand this over to you. The, 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 the uh, chart on this thing looks great. You take a look at where this thing's been straight up since 2008. Yeah. Um, so, what do they do? Or does it matter? Well, okay. <clears throat> the chart is not what attracts Mimo. I don't have to tell you that. It's the valuation combined with the opportunity to grow. So, you know, this isn't a perfect valuation equation, but if you take an earnings yield, and I like enterprise value before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization as some cash flow metric. If you take that number divided by the enterprise value, which is the market value of the equity plus the debt less the cash, that enterprise value represents what we might have to pay to own the company if we were in the private equity business. The EBITDA kind of represents what we would get on a pre-tax basis in cash flow. And you can really just look at that as a yield as if we were buying the company. So in the case of a nine times enterprise value to EBITDA multiple, I take the inverse, one over nine, 11%. So that's my cash on cash return. And then I am going to get some growth out of this. Value guys like growth too, and it's a component of total return, even if a value guy is going to tend to lean more on the cash on cash return component of total return. I like to get three quarters of my return and an acceptable return from that cash on cash return. And then growth is a little bit gravy, <coughs> and that's where sometimes you get lucky. On this one, it's an engineering company. Uh, they do uh, service center based distribution for the transmission components and uh, bearings, power transmission. So this uh, is, this is and, you know, it's interesting. This is a company that basically does, they distribute industrial products. Industrial. Big bearings, product. power transmission components. And fluid power. Uh, yeah, for fluid brakes. And so... Um, but do you know, do you look, look down at the end of the description yeah. of the company. It was founded in 1923. In Cleveland. Yeah. Those were good times. Well, that's Those a hotbed. That was good, and that was a good time to be starting a, an industrial. Company. Yeah, pretty good time. That was that's the machine tool headquarters of America at one yeah. point. But so I, I guess what I got attracted to Mo was just I think these engineering firms were running into capacity utilization issues. The economy's been growing slower than hoped for, but uh, at a rate that's going to run people out of capacity eventually, and it's going to be companies like this that are benefiting from that, and I think we're in the next couple years. Uh, the Fed has been so easy with money, I don't see a recession coming. It's just going to plot along, and companies like this uh, are going to benefit. And it's in the stock a little bit, but you still have, if you think these guys can grow at, uh, you know, 8 9% is all you need to get to a 20% total return, a good balance sheet, Decent returns on assets, not fabulous. They're not proprietary in a sense, and they've got their returns at a point where they discourage competition. They've got only a little bit of leverage. Um, EBITDA margins, again, in a range where they're not super great as if they invented something, but they're at a level where it's hard to compete with them on price, which means they'll gain share. They have a little bit of a yield on the, just the dividend. That is the cash you do actually get, 2%, and that's going to be competitive with your bank. And then 11 analysts covering it. So what's the secret thing they don't know that we know? Uh, I can't say I know the answer to that, Mo, other than I think that if you can calculate roughly a 20% total return estimate based on cash flows and reasonable assumptions of growth, that you, you buy that 
and uh, and, and then you're you, you know you're, you're patient and you ultimately get a decent return. I also note that Royce, pretty smart value guys, they own this. Um, they've got two business segments. I mean, one's doing 23% on assets. That's their distribution business. Traditionally, those are pretty good businesses, strong customer relationships, and uh, and then they've got the fluid power business. But it looks to me like it's got some legs, good balance sheet, and this is, you know, the heart of industrial America at a time when fuel prices are going down and we're in the ascension. That's uh, and, summer. And you know what? What you should add to that, the, you incorporated, but let me point it out, and that is that these guys pay a two-point-some-odd percent dividend yield. And uh, that's getting you know a little harder to find. And when you're buying a stock like this and you've already got that in, theoretically in the bag, the first thing you want to do is determine how safe are your dividends and um, has there been any dividend growth. And it's this part of the show. What? That we do a little mental showing off yeah. where we play. And it's really not playing. This is serious. I think I know where you're going, Mo. Guess the dividend. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can do it. It's been too long. This is the part of the show where we show readers that what other firms require, in some cases, tens of millions of dollars of software to duplicate the the process that we are about to undertake. Dividend forecast? I mean, think about it. You've had five PhDs at the University of Chicago working on their version of the software for 11 years. Yeah. It's true. On and the dividend estimate uh, formula that we use it, here. And, and, yeah, and sure we have. one of the things that they've discovered is uh-huh. that you cannot replace the two of us with almost 100 years of experience between Just us. Just the human intuition that we have. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. So, so here we okay. go. And we're, gonna, we're talking about applied industrial technologies. Applied industrial technologies. All right, so All right. we're going to start with the first dividend. Okay. 50 cents. 50 cents. The second. What? I'm not seeing that here, Mo. You're rounding again. I am. And that sometimes, I think, hurts the game. Well, let's just say we're starting I don't have all the data. What? 50 it's, cents. Okay, 50 cents. The all next right. dividend? Yes. 60 cents. 60. Hold on. Let me write that down. The next dividend. Do you have a pen, Mo? <laughs> oh, wait, no. I, I got one. Okay, here we go. 60. I'm sorry. Let me read. 50, 60, and then did you say 60 again? No, I didn't. I'm I sorry. Said, 70. That's what makes this so hard. All right. 50, 60, 50, 70. 60, 70. Yep. 80. Okay. 80. This is 80. 80. All right. This was in 2012. That's what wait, the dividend wait. was. Right. Let me write that down. <clears throat> okay. Yep. 90. 90. In which year? 2013. That's this year. This year. Okay. Well, they so haven't 50, paid that yet. 60, 70, 80, 90. Okay. You're going to put... All of that information, and time right. and time factor it. All right. Look at the trends. Let me get my slide rule. Hold on. I gotta get the right tool here. Now there's okay. the. You want to look at the Bayesian coefficients uh, <laughs> of all of these. We were just looking at that earlier. Oh, you were. No, I know. All right. Let me get my. Uh, I don't actually have a slide rule. I have my HP 12C. Well, that doesn't. Yeah. Have Bayesian. This, no, it's not. The Bayesian's shout, shout on out the back. To Shout out to one of our colleagues. Yeah. How you doing? So out there. Okay. So uh, am I supposed to guess the next one? Or let me punch a few numbers in here. I'm going to punch 2014, in. 2014. 
Okay. Drum we roll. got 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and then you actually expect me to guess the no, next one? No, I don't expect you to right, guess. I expect you to calculate it. I'm going to run a regression here. What I'm noticing is that the percentage increase each year is going down. It's correct. 20%, and then 16%. And then, uh, what's this one? I need, I need a higher, a more po powerful calculator. 14% in the last year. This thing was up 11%. So you're losing a little more uh, than yeah. two and a half. But I think it's going to stick at that 11% level mm -hmm. because things are starting to look better. So I'm going to say this next year we're going to go to 101. 101 this next year. Wow. And let's just calculate the yield for the listeners. 1.01 divided by 44.51. That is a 2.269% yield. Okay. And the fact is that even though that would give them an uneven dividend, it's not unprecedented in the company's history because when I said that at one point in time they paid 50 cents, it was really 48 yeah. cents. So 101 is not I think they're going to bump it That's ahead. A, that is a yeah. That is a call. A lot of zeros here. Yep. And I think someone on the board is going to say, let's get a one for that last digit instead of a zero. That's been overdone here. This is the for, stuff that yeah. makes this business uh, just—it's thrilling. Yes, in the dividend. Okay. Well, we said we were going to compare and contrast, oh, yeah. and we haven't actually done that. So, but let's move along. The next one, Tetra Tech, T T E K. And we said compare and contrast because this is a uh, consulting engineering construction management firm, and that one is industrial. So they're yeah. mostly different, but same kind of general neighborhood. What's the attraction here? Again, valuation, 8 times EBITDA, that's 12% cash on cash return. I'm two-thirds of the way toward a return I feel comfortable with. So at that point, I keep looking. Um, Good balance sheet, you know, eight nine percent debt to cap. The EBITDA margins are low, high single digits, and they occasionally bump into the eleven percent range. So that doesn't say proprietary to me. Uh, and then the returns on assets are upper upper single digits, so that ain't great. But what it does say is it's going to be hard to compete with them um, on price. So I'm going okay. What do they do? They consult. Okay, as soon as you consult, you've got a big staff of people, and that starts to explain why your EBITDA margins are lower, it's a cost-plus business, your return on assets is low because you have a lot of uh, people, and that costs a lot, and it's not in assets. So um, it starts to explain why the returns are low, and it's very competitive. But what you do have here is you have consistent growth, five-year growth rates and sales have been in the 20%. Now, granted, that's with some acquisitions, but the company looks like it's open to doing an acquisition, paying down the debt, doing an acquisition, and they probably add businesses that uh, can help the existing clients with some other element of their business, so it's accretive in that way. Um, what else can I say here? Um, I'm doing as little work as possible. They've got four segments. <clears throat> some of them have pretty good returns. Um, Engineering and consulting, it's a 10% return on assets. Technical support is 11 or 12. Engineering is about 12. 
then they have this remediation and construction that's you know around eight. But uh, pretty good margins for the businesses. Very consistent um, sales growth again with an acquisition in 2010 where they pay down the debt. There's no yield here, but again, this is one where it seems to me that the areas of the economy that are apt to experience growth the next couple of years are going to be those where you're building stuff because we're bumping into capacity capacity utilization issues, and these guys will be a player. Well, you know, when when uh, when we first looked at it, I took a ruler out and I just drew a line through the uh, the technical chart, and I noticed something right away, and that was that when the market took its whopping hit. These guys uh, did take a hit, but um, kind of put them back to where they were a few months ago. They've recovered dramatically faster than the market has. Yeah, it's true. Um, and so you kind of look at this and say, wow, it's one of these companies that seems to just march ahead, you know, compounded 5% a year. The market's been very efficient, um, you know, with that kind of 20% growth over the last five years. That sales have been 20% over the last five years. Stock's been up not quite 20% for the last five years. So it's a very solid marcher. They continue to put good numbers up on the boards, and this thing continues to go up, you know, in the, the 5 to 10% range. So just even again, technically, it looks, it looks pretty interesting. It's at the low end of where it tends to trade. So, uh, you know, 8 times EBITDA, it's been as high as 17 in the last few years, as low as 5. So again, this came through this screen we mentioned where... Um, it's a little bit off the lows, pretty good historical returns, and uh, and so uh, we, you know one nice thing about a screen is you know the company's past the screen you've run. So you've got a pretty good company, pretty good balance sheet, and you dig in a little bit here. The thing here that really attracted me was just the likelihood that um, it's a well-run business, pretty consistent, and they've got you know several years of good growth ahead of them because their area of the economy is gaining share right now. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, Next up. What are we doing? Compare and contrast. Compare and contrast. Okay, Mom. Now. I lost one of my sheets. We have two names. All right. Nutrisystems, Inc. Your symbol is uh, NTRI. And Nature's Sunshine Products. Ticker symbol is NATR. Now, when we ran this screen, the first thing I looked at was I said, Nutrisystem, isn't there some big controversy there? Isn't there the isn't there a big takeover? Yeah. It shows you how closely I pay attention yeah, to that. Yeah, we've been in the desert mode. It wasn't Nutrisystem. We right. figured out it was. Yeah, yeah Herbalife. Herbalife. Yeah. But so, at any rate, so we, it caught our eye for all the wrong yeah. reasons, but it caught our eye. Well, here's the thing. Herbalife is in this category, but it just didn't make the screen. Right. So it's yeah, probably yeah. not as profitable or, you know, something but like that. But we did come up with two. They're radically different, you know, they're in radically different market segments. And what's interesting is they're going in radically different directions. It'll be, I'll be interested to hear your take as to why that performance might be the case. But Nutrisystems is a stock that loses about 30% a year and has. Um, from 2007 to now, over the last six years, it's loses, literally loses almost 30% a year. Um, it seems like no one follows this company anymore. Remember we were talking about institutional coverage, well there's only four people that follow it. Um, and it looks, when you look at it, it looks like a train wreck. Yeah. Here's another company, Nature's Sunshine Products. And they appear to be sort of in the same, the same general uh, space. 
Yeah. Nutrisystem does prepackaged food for weight losers. Yeah. And um, Nature Sunshine, they do nutritional and personal care products, supplements. Yeah. So same, but healthy lifestyle, yeah. all that. Yeah. This this stock is going. <laughs> in in two thousand eight, after the crash, the, during the recovery, it went from four to eight, which was eight bucks a share in two thousand ten, and it sub subsequently gone from eight. You know, almost to 16 before it's backed off and consolidated. Yeah. So it's had three big doubles, two big doubles. Yeah. Um, since the, uh, you know, since the, the downturn in the market. You know what's curious about that, Mo, is if you look at the sales, mm -hmm. their sales really were pretty stable, and yet the stock was yep. jumping really? all over the place. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe uh, operating margins. Yeah, no, the margins were moving around, but it's interesting. The sales were stable. Yeah. And look at EBITDA. Yeah. It's been going up consistently, and uh, yet, you know, something, something weird is going on. Well, something good is going something on. Something good, um, yeah. Yeah. But whatever is good there, the question is, is that what is bad for Nutrisystems? Yeah. But first... Give me your take on uh, either one. Well, I'll start, start with out with uh, Nutrisystems because it's it's a pretty easy one. You know, America, I guess, relative to the rest of the world, is uh, wildly overweight. And yet, here's a company that helps people lose weight. And in 2007, the sales were $770 million, And now, they're estimated at $360 million this year. So, less than half what they were then, and we have twice as many people overweight. So in some sense, this makes perfect sense. America does not want weight loss programs. They want to think they want that, but they actually don't want that. And so this company is just a screaming example of America's true interest in weight loss, which th these guys have done terribly. Now, I'm making some of that up because I don't know their landscape, it could be that um, supermarkets are competing, maybe there's an aisle now that has weight loss, and so rather than mail your food, you'd rather buy it in the store, and I can't speak to that, it certainly could be happening, but uh, my point here is, whatever these guys are doing, it's not good, and then, uh, you know, their returns are, of course, falling, um, their EBIT went from 160 million in 2007 to zero last year and estimated to be 13. So a little bit of a little bit yeah. of a downside. They've been shut. So here and here's another problem. You know, you want management teams to buy back shares. It's like, hey, the stock's down, buy shares. So they've been doing that, but then the stock keeps going down. So every share they bought has been losing money. So not only is their business failing, their but their investments are ability failing. to invest properly is not going well either. Their book value has gone from four to two. Uh, you know, the I don't know. What else? What other good things can I say? These, these guys sell. It's not the channel that they're using that's the problem, which is interesting. They're, they 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 sell directly to the customer. They've got a website. They have phone banks. They're in selected retailers. Um, so you can't say that there are some companies that are going out of business because they're in the wrong distribution yeah. channel. So that's not the case. So, uh, I don't know, but whatever it is, Nature's, Nature's Sunshine Products is seemingly See, doing well. Royce owns this, and this isn't a typical value guy. This is a value stock that I think 
is one that you should pass on. So we talk a lot on the show about stocks to buy. Here's one that we've come across. We've talked a little about it. And this is an example of, I think, what not to do, frankly. Uh, it's 11, even in this weakened state and this terrible record, it's 11 times EBITDA. As if, I mean, that's a 9% cash-on-cash return. So you're getting 9%, but then your capital, the principal, in terms of your share of the ownership, I think even it's if you're, it's going down every year. So your total return on this is uh, is less than you could get on a decent REIT yield. And I don't understand you know, how the shareholders, whoever they are, there's four analysts covering this, but they should call somebody up and maybe it's time to get a new plan. I don't know. Don't you think, Mo? So hope springs eternal. And so uh, you found these, but the compare and contrast is with Nature's Sunshine, yeah. which is uh, got an opposite uh, kind of uh, yeah. No, these guys make here. nutritional products. They do some personal care stuff. But like I said, when we when we first when, it, when the stock first caught my eye, this stock's gone from four to eight to sixteen, and it's just had these three tremendous jumps. And in each case, the stock kind of jumped up on news stabilized for you know four or five even six months at the new much higher price then there was obviously another piece of news another huge jump up so this stock has doubled and then it's doubled again since the bottom so whatever's happening there seems to be a regular cycle of good news i'm looking now at the numbers to see if there was an acquisition that was done during the that would cause that big jump up and you look at that first big jump up after the the market collapse when it went from four to, to eight. That was all 2009. What happened? It doesn't open? seem like anything happened. Yeah, I know. Well, all I'd say on this one is that it's remarkable. you got to dig in here. Um, and we're just looking at summary data. But the sales have gone from $366 million in 07 to $373 million this year. So, like, Not no exactly move. roaring. But meantime, growth. EBITDA has gone from 9 to 41. Return on assets has gone from negative 5, because, of course, that's on net income, not EBITDA. Negative 5 to uh, 14. Return on equity has gone from negative 12 to positive 25. And uh, EBITDA margins have gone from 2 to 11, and while sales are s- consistent. So, well, here's that, here's that, I have a yeah, or there I maybe a different theory, and that yeah. is you, you could make the case that as overweight as Americans are, that sort of sector of the market is maturing, and companies like Nutrisystems are losing their share of that market, their stock prices are going down, Nature Sunshine is accumulating market share, even though they're getting a larger slice of a swinking. But their sales are, are like flat. Flat. But that's what would happen if you were getting a larger slice of a pie that that's was paying shrinking. lower than average yeah. of sales. So I don't know. But uh, the other thing that might be happening here, I so it could be a consolidation story. Well, there's either they're either uh, putting out products with higher margins. I mean, that would mean higher sales prices and they're selling fewer of them and there's less costs associated with them. Yep. Or uh, maybe they are uh, cutting back on their sales force and selling more direct over the Internet, So, which is a you know, less expensive sale. You don't have a salesperson in between. They do uh, do a similar thing to uh, Herbalife, which is, I was on the website earlier, 
you can sign up to be a member and then you you know you're buying at 40% off the retail as a wholesaler you sign up for a year and then you uh, sell and that's the rub on herbal life is that there's you know millions of people with garages full of stuff and you know no one including one's us so if you yeah. do want any of these products why don't you just yeah. email us at well, or Mo I was going to say that till the end but yeah it's uh I'm a, I'm a distributor. I, I'm not saying Great that. product. The fact is, is that these sales, whether distributors are buying them and storing them in their garage, or they're buying them and keeping the inventory consistent and selling stuff on the outside, the fact is, these guys are selling $370 million worth of stuff to somebody. The and question, of course, the, the controversy with all of these companies is, are they just channel stuffing? In other words, force you can force your product down so many people's throats. It can then pile up in so many people's garages that are going to be the franchisee. But at some point, you fill up all the garages in America and your growth stops. Well, judging by how much the government seems to be getting away with, you can stuff $370 million worth of stuff into people's garages for a long time. Yep. So uh, the valuation on this uh, is four times EBITDA, and it's been growing EBITDA relative to Nutrisystems at 12 times EBITDA and shrinking EBITDA. So that's another odd uh, characteristic. These guys uh, in Nature Sunshine have 5% debt to capital. Um, Nutrisystem has zero, so the balance sheet is not their problem. And they're putting up in the most recent couple of years here at Nature Sunshine, you know, lower to mid-teens return on assets and mid-twenties return on equity relative to, you know, negative uh, <laughs> system. So, you know, what's the valuation on this? Four times EBITDA is a 25% cash-on-cash return, and I'm good. I don't need any more than that. If you get growth, which there's no evidence you're getting growth in sales, so maybe the point is you're not counting on that. And it could be that at a... Uh, 11% EBITDA margin, you're at the edge of the envelope on how big the margin can get after a number of years of growth. And I'm also good with that. I can take my 25% cash on cash return to the bank and I'm good. So, Nature Sunshine, ticker hey, hey, NATR, hey, yes. Hey, I what? just, I just uh -oh. think I see something here. Um, interesting. Uh oh, what's happening? I just realized, I was looking to see, these guys actually have a yield. It's a 2.8% yield. Oh, yeah. And here's what's interesting. They've gone for a couple of years. It's a, it's an odd, I've never, I don't, you don't come across this very often. Usually when a company declares a dividend, um, it's, it's a signal to uh, shareholders that they're going to maintain that dividend. This company's historical dividend has been 20 cents, 5 cents, 0 cents, 0 cents, 15 cents in 2012. They so, just roll dice to decide whether to pay the dividend. Don't know, but before, if you're looking at a company it's like weird. this and you see, I like this, I like the dividend, the first thing you should do on any one of these sheets is first look at the consistency of the dividend. Is it growing? Is, there, are there, is, it, is it stable? And the second thing you should do is you should look at how safe is it. When yeah. you look at what the cash on cash or the coverage ratios are. Yeah. Um, but so they just announced the dividend. But who knows whether you'll get that next year. But it's a just a heads up, something to look at. It's interesting. Well, you know, they, they had this little period of uh, no profits in 07 and 08, so they maybe rightfully cut the dividend, and now they're trying to restore it. So, again, guess the dividend. This one's a little harder yeah, because this is it's all over the map, but it looks to me like they're at least going to keep that for a few years. Guess the business model. So, hey, 
time for... Is that it? We've got the next segment to do. So, it's time for uh, walking through... Excellent sound effects. Uh, national economic trends with the value guys. Now, as usual, if the we have not prepared. <laughs> Whatever, so uh, we are going to go do that, and we will be right back. Something you wanted to talk about? I've got one on page 
Well, we, we, we do know, I just wanted to get your quick thought on this. We do know that uh, even though the graph on the front page, the change in non-farm farm payrolls, doesn't really seem to, um, uh, I can't tell that it's, that it's reflecting the jobs numbers from today or not, but they came out, they were pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. And um, I think one of the things that's hard for me to reconcile is that we're doing so well, and uh, you take a look at what's happening with Europe. I, I think uh, unemployment rates in the Depression in the United States were only 25 or 26 percent. They're 27 percent yeah. now in Spain and Greece. Yeah, no, I know. You thought those were suspect Well, numbers. I have a feeling in those countries, you know, they don't always report that they have jobs because that's just an invitation for the tax collector. I think there's a lot of corruption, a lot of people that don't pay taxes and then therefore don't say they have a job. That's, I, that's a, you know, there's some of that here, but I think in Spain and Greece, the higher the tax rate, the higher the incentive to cheat and lie. I mean, that's an argument to have a low tax rate so that, in part, you, people aren't tending to spend the time and effort to cheat and, you, in effect, collect more taxes even at a lower rate because you're eliminating all that effort to, you know, to obfuscate Things, so. Well, I can, I, there, there may be an element of that, but the fact of the matter remains that we're still doing remarkably well, both from a from a true economic standpoint and from a, a market yeah. market perspective. You know, the, the economy keeps recovering slowly, but, and the market keeps setting new highs. So it's been a and your 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 performance has been amazing. Uh, it's we've had a good period in here, but the first quarter I don't want to get into that. You can't give that away. That's too much information. Here's what I'd like to say. Uh, national economic trends. Um, <clears throat> page three. Real GDP growth in the first quarter. This is after the fourth quarter of 2012 was originally reported negative. So everyone was depressed. We had the sequester coming, the end of the world. I mean, even in our portfolios, I think on the show here, even, we got a little cautious because you just didn't know what was going to happen. And of course, it's just not in the future deal. Um, GDP in the first quarter.
uh, which, you know, could be a year from now, what have you. It's a little juice at the end of the tunnel here. Yep. Yep. You got anything else, Mo? I'm done. You're done. Okay. Well, I got, I got a few here. Uh, one, and I'll be quick. Uh, there's a chart on Standard & Poor. Uh, Standard & Poor's 500 index with reinvested dividends. The percent change from a year ago. It's a 25-year chart. And I just sort of clocked how many periods are running over. I just drew a line. Call it 12% year over year. What percentage of the time are people enjoying a 12% year over year gain in the market from a year ago? They're feeling pretty good, happy with themselves and their investment acumen. Uh, well, obviously there have been some good periods in the 90s. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. 2000, all enjoyed uh, a little period like that. That's six years. In the uh, O's, or the aughts, depending on which part of the country you're from, you had 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. That's one, two, three, four, five years where people were enjoying the better than 12% kind of annual returns. And I'm just going to say, obviously, we've been in this great recession period, and oh my goodness, what's going to happen, and isn't everything so terrible? Uh, okay, part of 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, all, all above this 12% year-over-year return at some point, not the whole year. In a couple cases in 2012, you had an unhappy first part of the year where you were flat, year over year, but then you got happier later. So the point being, we've actually been in a fairly lengthy bull market, and uh, the longest one was in the 90s, which was one, two, three, four, five, six years. Two, three, four. We've had five years now. So if you're wondering whether we're in a bull market, we are, yeah. and it might be ending soon. So stay tuned. Yeah, get in before we okay. okay. And I think... Uh, Let's see. Ah, I had one more, but this will be it. Page 13, real consumption. As you can see, real year-over-year -year consumption has been kind of spotty. It's up a lot, then flat, up a lot, down, blah, blah, blah. We've had five consecutive months of very strong year-over-year -year comparisons in real consumption. And I think getting back to some of our stock ideas on you know, engineering, construction, and things like that, when people start consistently consuming things and burning through capacity utilization, that's when companies start to build capacity, and that's how you get back to those uh, sort of higher growth numbers. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, well, that's it. Another uh, happy ending. Uh, value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. Um, see all our caveats, disclosures. Uh, links to past shows by ticker symbol, all kinds of things. Photos our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody. See you next week.